Hey guys, welcome to the College Age Movement Podcast. Uh, sorry we've been gone for a few weeks here. Uh, we are starting a new series this week entitled Greater Than. And the simple concept behind this series is to walk through the book of Hebrews. If you're not super familiar with the book of Hebrews, it's an incredible book. And one of the reasons that I love it is it takes what we have usually made really complicated, and that's this idea of following Jesus, and it simplifies it in lots of different ways. And uh, this book was written, written about 70 years after the death of Jesus. We don't know for sure who the author was. The most likely is Apollos, Apollos or Barnabas, um, and they they were disciples of Jesus. They they followed his teachings even though they were around seventy years after he passed, and uh, they they wrote this book to simplify what it means to to be a follower of Jesus. And we're going to focus on chapter three this week, but I, I want to take a minute and highlight a couple of thoughts in chapters one in chapters two, because I think what they do is they set a foundation for us as we move forward, not only in chapter three, but also throughout the rest of the book. So Hebrews chapter one, verses one and two, the first two verses of the book say say this. It says, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. Now, culturally speaking, this was a defining moment for the author. They were sending a very clear message. The prophets were the vehicle for God to communicate, but now Jesus was how God was going to communicate. The Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection, the messages that he brought to the world was the way that God had communicated to us. Now, the prophets were incredible, and for thousands of years, they were the vehicle in which God communicated to his people. We have Elijah and Isaiah and all these amazing, amazing people who God used to communicate. But the author is saying this, he's saying that Jesus is not just a prophet. He's he's far superior to that. And for all of these Jewish people, it was of the utmost importance that they were reminded of, reminded of this moving forward. But for you and I, it's important that we be reminded that Jesus was more than just a man. Jesus was more than a prophet, he was more than a good guy, he was more than a historical figure that he was Jesus, that he was the savior of the world. He was more than a prophet or a teacher. He was living the living God who decided to make himself man and dwell among us. And that changed everything. He made himself like us so that he could better understand us. He made himself like us so that he could give us a tangible representation of what it meant to live the life that he was calling us to. And it's so important for you and I, 2,000 years later, to understand that Jesus is everything. So then we're going to look at the first verse in Hebrews chapter 2, and it simply says this. It says, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. Now, the idea of paying attention is a simple one, and yet not many of us would probably admit or, or say that we're experts at it. I know that I wouldn't. Paying attention is, is oftentimes one of my weaknesses, but it's not because I'm not able to. It's because I haven't been intentional about paying attention. And this plays a part in so many different areas of our lives and our, our relationships and the way that we listen for God, uh, wh- whatever it may be, that we need to be people who become experts at paying attention, who intentionally look at the lives of other people, listen to the words of other people, to listen for the voice of God in quiet times with him, that we would be people who become experts at paying attention. And it can be hard because there are so many distractions, our surroundings, our own minds that seem to get busier and busier all the time, and we always have these things that are going through our head of what we need to do or who we need to talk to or what we need to accomplish. Our schedules get out of whack. 
that so many of us schedule ourselves so thin that we don't have room or capacity to just stop and listen to the people in our lives or to listen for God. Uh, you think about things like uh, our computers or our phones. My phone is probably one of my big, biggest weaknesses, and my wife would, would yell an amen if she was in the room right now, that I find myself looking at my phone so many times, it just becomes habit, and it becomes a distraction, and it's not even not even something that I need to do. It's not something like there's something important going on, but it breaks my concentration way too often. So we need to become people who are experts at paying attention. And apparently 2000 years ago, paying attention wasn't all that easy either. And I think it is a really good reminder for us to not just take things at face value or to just see what we see on the surface, but to dig in deep and actually get to know God, to actually dig in deep and get to know the people in our lives. And we probably all had circumstances where we just feel like, terrible people, terrible friends, terrible associates, whatever it may be. And I had an interaction just this last Tuesday where I was talking to a guy and he was asking me how my new daughter was. She's four weeks old. And we were talking about her and how awesome she is. And he said, yeah, like our five-month-old is doing great. And I was like, oh, that's so awesome. And I walked away from that conversation thinking, I don't know that I knew that your daughter was five months old. I, I, I don't know if I knew that she had the baby. And Obviously, five months have gone by since I've really checked in with that person. And so um, I, I want to be a person who, and I can't be aware of every single person in every single person's life, but what I can is I can look at my direct sphere of influence and say, I'm going to be intentional about listening and investing and making sure that I'm paying attention to those people. And if we all can do that, then the world will definitely be a better place and the kingdom of God will be a better place. So that gives us a small idea moving forward of some themes that will run their courses through the remaining 11 chapters, but but especially here in chapter 3 too. So Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, says this. It says, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and our high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all of God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of the house has greater honor than the house itself. So the next point this afternoon is this, is uh, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. Easier said than done, right? It's very easy for us to get off track, but here is why this simple phrase means so much, and it gets us back to the idea of simplifying our faith. It doesn't say fix your eyes on the rules. It doesn't say fix your eyes on the law. It doesn't say fix your eyes on the achievements of other people. It doesn't say fix your eyes on the actions of other people. It simply says this, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. You see, when we allow Jesus to unashamedly be in the middle of everything that we do and our our thoughts are fixated on him, we look a little bit more like him. Maybe we start to talk a little bit more like him and we see things a little bit more like he would. See, when we focus on Jesus, it isn't a narrowing, but a widening of our perspective. I think that we could look at that and we could say, well, if I'm only focused on Jesus, then I'm going to miss so many things that are going on around me. But it's not about that. It's, It's about how much, it's not about how much we're seeing, but it, it's about the lens at which we're seeing things through. And that lens has to be Jesus. And if we can do that, we widen our perspective. Because if we can see people the way that Jesus sees people, we don't see just the surface value. We don't see face value. We don't see the cover. We see them to the depth of who they are. And we see how worthy they are and how loved they are and all of those things. And we're able to dive in deep with people in a way that we wouldn't be able to do on our own. So we need to posture ourselves in a way to always be looking at people and situations and objectives and all of the different things that happen in our lives the way that Jesus would do it. And our our perspective will get widened. It will, more importantly, get deepened, that we would see things past the surface and we see them for what they really are. 
the next point is this, and and this is is kind of controversial in in a way. But the next point is this: is that Jesus is greater than Moses, and I want to make sure that that I communicate this really really clearly that Moses was an absolute pillar of the faith, that he was a pioneer, he was the pinnacle of what it meant to listen to God and, and be faithful to God, and he was still a messy, broken man who made a ton of mistakes, and that's why he didn't get to go into the promised land, and And we, we can read through scriptures and we can dive in deeper, but this is what I mean by this, is that Jesus came and he changed everything, and while he was Jewish, and while he still held to a lot of what the Jewish people had been following for a really long time, he came and brought a very, very fresh perspective. He expanded upon things. He took things and said, hey, you've heard it said this, but I'm going to take it to the next level. But he also fulfilled a lot of the law, and he he continued to do things, and there's a reason why the Jewish people were so upset with him. There's a reason that the Jewish people had him crucified, because he shook things up. This statement of Jesus deserves more honor than Moses to a culture who believed that Moses was everything and a bag of chips sent shockwaves through the entire Jewish establishment. Moses was everything. He was a pioneer. He was a pinnacle. He was all those things. Moses heard the law and wrote it on tablets. He was incredibly intimate with God. He had a relationship with God like nobody else in human history. He co-chaired all the rules and regulations that God had set out before the nation of Israel. Moses led the nation that became the dwelling place of God. But Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Israel was the house. Moses led the house. He took care of the house. He was a part of the house. But Jesus was the builder. Jesus is everything. That was an audacious claim. Talk about grandeur and taking things to the top of their limits. The author didn't balk, though. He doesn't hesitate. He simply stated what should be the center of everything that we do and say. He said, no longer are you focused on just the law. No longer are you focused on the rules and regulations. You need to be focused on Jesus. Jesus is greater than the law. Jesus is more than Moses. Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus is greater than anything that has ever come or ever will come again. Jesus is it. You see, Jesus being greater than Moses, Jesus being greater than Abraham, Jesus being greater than all the establishments that had been placed in, that had been placed uh, in front of the nation of Israel, what was significant because Jesus was greater than any group of people. Jesus was greater than any religion. Jesus became everything. And the author goes on to say in verses four through six, he says this, for every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Jesus is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful. He was a servant in God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the son over God's house. And we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. You see, Moses was, Christ is. The author doubles down on this because it was a defining moment. At this point in history, the Jewish people followed Moses. They worshiped God, but they followed Moses. Now, it was time to follow Jesus now. The Jewish people were faced with the same question, same question that you and I are faced with today. Is Jesus the Messiah that was promised? Is Jesus the Messiah that was promised? Is Jesus who he said he was? And if we say yes, if we believe that Jesus is the son of God, that he was more than a prophet, that he was more than a rabbi, that he was more than a man, that changes everything. That what we hold on to, what we cling to, is Jesus at the center of everything that we do. And for thousands of years, the Israelites, the nation of Israel, was waiting. And then all of a sudden they were told they didn't have to wait anymore that the Messiah that had been promised for so long was actually here. And then they were faced with the question, okay, this, this guy 
is the promised one? Do I believe that or not? And you and I have to face that question. We have to ask ourselves, do we believe that Jesus is who he says he was? This is what I think is really interesting is that every single one of us go through a waiting season. The Israelites went through thousands of years of waiting for this Messiah. And you and I haven't had thousands of years to to think about what it is that we want to step into. But there have been so many circumstances in my life where I know that I've been in a waiting season. And then when the opportunity that I want presents itself, I've hesitated. One of the things was this job, vocational ministry was something that for a long time I didn't want to do. And then once I got into it and I was interning and I got to see what the, the... the, the stamp and, or the, the footprint that we made on people's lives and in a positive way, I was just like, man, I want to do this for the rest of my life. And I did it unpaid and then I did it part-time paid. And there was just this huge waiting season for me to step into what I felt like God was calling me to do. And then I remember when the full-time ministry position presented itself, I was so excited, but there was still a part of me that just hesitated, that I got nervous. This thing that I was so desperately wanting for so long became something that I was hesitating about. And I'm so happy and so thankful that I stepped into it and that I didn't hesitate too long. But there have been so many times in my life where I've wanted something and then it's presented itself and then I've stepped away from it. I got scared to step into it. I don't know where you're at today, but I I, want to encourage you in this. If God is calling you to something, if that thing that you've been wanting to do for a really long time or the thing that you felt like God has been wanting you to do for a really long time presents itself, step into it with faith. Step into it with confidence and understand that there's a reason why it's right in front of you, that God is asking you to have a little faith, to take some risk. Here's the thing. There isn't anything wrong with the nation of Israel following Moses, and I don't want to communicate that ever. That's what they were asked to do. They were faithful. They made a lot of mistakes. If you read through the Old Testament, the nation of Israel was so peaks and valleys like their entire existence. They'd made really good decisions. They made really bad decisions, and God was so happy with them at times and so frustrated with them a lot of the other times. What they were asked to do was to follow Moses and the law. That's, That's exactly what they were supposed to do. But Jesus came and changed it. He replaced it. It was something brand new. It was something significant. There was a shift. It wasn't just, hey, I'm going to tell you how to do things a little bit differently. It was completely different. What was no longer needed to be. And let me explain this. For the Jewish people, the law was, but Jesus now deemed it essentially obsolete. He was saying, hey, all of those things, there there were so many good things, and they kept you in line, and and they gave you guardrails, and they gave you perspective, and and you did them, and you did them faithfully, and God was happy with when when you did the things that he asked you to do. But I've come, and I've brought something significantly different, that you no longer have to earn your faith. There's not no longer boxes to be checked, that this is grace-based, that what you strive for isn't no lo- is no longer what's going to earn you a crown in heaven. But what I'm doing, what I'm, what I'm doing with my body, with my life, the sacrifice that I'm about to make for you, this is what changes everything, that by my blood you are saved. Not by the law, not by the rules, not by the regulations, but by my, my blood, my forgiveness, my grace, and my mercy. And what I'm asking you to do is surrender your life and live the way that I've asked you to live, what was no longer needed to be. And for you and I, it could go a lot of different ways. Maybe we're like the Israelites, striving to check boxes. We're, we've created these re- religious cycles and, and these routines that aren't really that healthy that we're just trying to do the things that we feel like we're supposed to do instead of actually leaning into who God has asked us to be. Or maybe we're holding on to a lifestyle that we haven't fully surrendered to Jesus. You see, if we can live a life where where we fully understand and embrace that Jesus is greater than, we set ourselves up to a life well lived. There are going to be so many amazing and some obviously not so amazing things that strive to take our attention. But let's be a people that understand that 
Jesus is greater than. Jesus is greater than the rules. Jesus is greater than the regulations. Jesus is is greater than the boxes that need to be checked, but he's greater than the addiction. He's greater than your struggle, and he's greater than that broken relationship. He's greater than. Jesus is greater than. And if we can set ourselves up to believe that, no matter what situation we find ourselves in, good, bad, religious, non-religious, whatever it may be, if we can say, Jesus is greater than this, I'm going to focus on him, who he's asked me to be, what he wants me to do. We're going to set ourselves up for a life well lived. And the last point is this, and it's, it's kind of a simple one, but we're God's house. We're God's house. You see, the scripture says that that Jesus built everything, and Moses was faithful as God's uh, as a servant in God's house, bearing witness to what was would be spoken in the future. But Christ is faithful now as a son of over God's house, that Jesus is over us and we are his house if we hold firmly to our confidence and, and hope in which we glory, right? That we, we get to be the house of God. So as we begin to understand that Jesus is greater than anything else, we start to lay a foundation. We start to lay a foundation individually. We start to lay a foundation collectively, a foundation called the church. It's so easy for us to look at establishments or churches like this to be what impacts people for the kingdom of God, but it's not about a building. It's about a people. It's not about a building. It's about people. It's so easy to forget that. Jesus came and created something completely new. Not so a new religious establishment could take root, but so that a people would feel the indescribable love and forgiveness of God and that they would in turn go and tell everyone else about it. So what we need to be is people who pay attention and we listen for that indescribable indescribable love, that forgiveness that God has, that mercy that he has for us, that we would be able to get filled up with the Holy Spirit, that we'd be able to get filled up with the message of Jesus of loving God and loving people. And in turn, we would take that into our workplaces, we would take that into our churches, that we would take that into our families, that we take it into our friend groups, and that people would be changed by the gospel, that people would be changed by Jesus Christ, Jesus crucified, Jesus risen, and that people would feel the love and mercy and forgiveness of him because we've got to experience that already. Hey, thank you so much for listening in to the College Age Movement podcast. Again, if you are in Billings, we would absolutely love to see you. We meet every Tuesday night at seven o'clock here at Faith Chapel. If you can't make that, please keep listening to the podcast or look for different events uh, that we do throughout the months. We have Church and Coffee coming up on September 29th. That's a Sunday night service downtown. And we're we're working on a couple other things too. So, So stay tuned, follow us on social media. We love you guys and we hope to see you really soon.